When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, Josh Wiggler here. Can you believe it? Walking Dead season is upon us again. Um, this podcast is coming your way at the very start of October as we are just a short hair away from the October 4th premiere, uh, or I guess the October 4th airing of the season 10 finale of The Walking Dead, although that's a bit of a misnomer. Uh, a phone alley is the phrase that I've been seeing uh, bandied about because there are going to be six additional episodes of The Walking Dead released at some point in human history, <laughs> allegedly 2021. Um, but even though there's only one episode of the flagship Walking Dead coming back right now, there is a lot of Walking Dead action that is around the corner. The Walking Dead World Beyond, which is like the young adult version of The Walking Dead with a bunch of kids suffering through the zombie apocalypse, that's debuting on October 4th as well. And then Fear the Walking Dead returns one week later on is that october 11th yeah that's october 11th i just did math live on the fly um we're going to cover those shows. Jessica Lee and I are going to be back with the with the Walking Dead coverage, and we are going to talk about the world beyond and fear of the Walking Dead. So you don't have to you don't have to watch it, but you can listen to us talk about it on the podcast. Or if you are going to watch those shows, we will be here every single week guiding you through it. I wanted to um, launch with something of a preview show. You may have heard by now. I hope you've heard by now. But if you haven't, I'll tell you now that Post Show Recaps is officially on Patreon. We have launched a patron program uh, here on Post Show Recaps where you can support the podcast directly. And anyone who is able to support the podcast at any level, you're just my best friend. I, I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for even considering it, especially during this time, this crazy, crazy time. Um, but you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash patron, patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. Uh, those are the ways to find out more about what it means to become a patron of the show. And this is something we've been thinking about launching for a long time. In fact, spoiler alert, I don't know if it's a spoiler alert, but once upon a time, we were going to launch the Patreon uh, this summer. Uh, and in anticipation of that, Jess and I had gotten together to record a, a show specifically for the patrons of Post Show Recaps at that time. Uh, and it was going to be a primer on all things Walking Dead. So that like, you know, because we hear a lot of the time that people listen to the Walking Dead podcast that we do on Post Show Recaps. They've long since abandoned the show, but they want to hear what's going on on the show. And Jess and I are a conduit for that. So we wanted to come up with a podcast that would basically like encompass all of the Walking Walking Dead up to the penultimate episode of season 10, which was the episode that had most recently aired at that point. Um, we recorded this in May of 2020. So uh, much of the content of that podcast is a little bit dated. So just so you know, it's a little bit dated, uh, but I still think it's a fun listen and it's a it, it's going to definitely serve as a preview show. Uh, it'll help catch you up on where things stand for the survivors of the zombie apocalypse heading into the season 10 B finale. Uh, and I think it's a fun ride. I, I hope you enjoy it. If you've never watched the walking dead before, this will catch you up. If you've watched all of the walking dead, but you've forgotten some of the basic plot points, 
This will get you up to speed on that as well. We're going to be back coming up on Monday, October 5th is when we are going to be recording our recap of the season 10 finale. We'll also talk about the world beyond premiere. And then every week after that, we'll be doing a, uh, a package deal of world beyond and fear the walking dead coverage. Both shows covered in one podcast per week with Jess Lease and myself. So this should get you set. This is a little bit of a primer. If you've got feedback for, us for that first show get it in quick because we're going to record on monday i think like noon eastern is what we're shooting for twd at postshowrecaps.com that's our feedback email send it in i'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about uh, but we would always love to hear from you if you've got any feedback to send our way so keep in mind this is a dated show this was originally intended for a summer release a june 2020 release uh but we're going to release it now anyway because uh, walking dead shenanigans is always good shenanigans at least as far as post show recaps is concerned without further ado let's bring in the podcast it's myself and jessica lease talking about the walking dead all spoilers through season 10 So you don't watch The Walking Dead, but you want to hear Jessica Lee and I talk about The Walking Dead. Just how often do you hear people uh, say, like, I just listen to the podcast. I don't watch the show anymore. Probably about as often as I hear people say they do watch the show and listen to us. It really is like a 50-50 split, feels like. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, a lot of those include people that did watch the show and then gave up on it. Mm -hmm. But some of them, I think it's people that have just kind of like to listen to us talk about zombies but they don't want to watch any zombies look i think it's really fun and easy and cool to bag on the walking dead uh but you do so without acknowledging the fact that this uh was like the biggest show of all time at its height uh that is hyper hyperbolic but like not completely off the mark this was a, a ratings juggernaut it continues to be a, a widely watched show as jess and i are recording this um in may 2020 um it's just it's less watched and there is like a significant attrition that occurred uh, at a certain point in the walking dead but a ton of people are still watching the walking dead jess and i are committed to never stop talking about the walking dead until the walking dead gives us things to no longer to speak about which is uh, i.e it no longer exists um but i think like for the sake of the people who are not watching the walking dead but want to follow along with our walking dead coverage while it's active while the show is on jess I think we owe it to them to create this special episode of the Walking Dead post-show recaps podcast, which is full spoilers of the Walking Dead. You don't have to go back and watch 10 seasons of the Walking Dead to be up to date with where you and I are at on the show. You could just listen to this like 30-ish minute uh, run through of the entire series of the Walking Dead. Yeah, and it, it might also be a good primer even if you do watch The Walking Dead because how many times have you gone into the beginning of a season and been like, wait, who's that guy? Where'd that guy end up? And why is why are those, those people not dead? I thought those people were dead. And why are these people in a relationship now? And even if you are watching all the episodes, you may be you maybe want to have a little more context. So this could be good for that as well. Uh, also good to jog our memories too, Jess, as we're like uh, re-triggering ourselves on early walking dead. Cause the show morphs so much over the course of the years uh, where, uh, you know, where we started is very much not where we're at anymore. 
it is very crazy to go back and look at the early season episodes and how different it is in tone now is is kind of a wild ride. Yeah. But you know, we're on the we're on the other side of the peak TV bell curve now and we are sliding away from the peak TV era and it's kind of nice to have a little nostalgia for it. Yeah. And everybody loves nostalgia. So we can also sort of look back on it fondly. Yeah. Jess, we are banking on the fact that everybody loves nostalgia. Uh, if we're, if we're wrong about that bet, then we're in big, big trouble moving forward. Um, okay, so this is kind of where we're putting all our chips. Yeah. We really are going all in on nostalgia. All right. So let's talk about The Walking Dead in totality. It is, uh, based on the Image Comics survival horror series. Written and created by Robert Kirkman, uh, Tony Moore, original artist um, for the first six issues of the comic. Uh, and then Charlie Adlard comes in at issue seven and continues The Walking Dead from that moment forward. The comic books are complete. We will do this without comic book spoilers. This is show spoilers only. Um, but the story is essentially, as it begins at least, of a world that is grappling with the destruction of society and told through the lens of a lawman named Rick Grimes. How many times have you forgotten that Rick Grimes was a cop? Many. Because Many. like he's going to go on to behave lawlessly <laughs> as, the, as the show goes on. So to remember that his roots are as a cop, I think it's easy to forget, too, that The Walking Dead literally begins basically um, outside of the cold open of, of Rick dealing with the zombie. It begins with like a highway shootout uh, in like our world uh, with, with, with Rick and his best friend and partner Shane played by John Bernthal. Rick is played by Andrew Lincoln and they get in a shootout and Rick gets shot and he goes into a coma. And three months later, he wakes up in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, I'd rather be Dorothy waking up in Oz, I think is a, is an easier, uh, easier time than what Rick has to deal with. Yeah. You know, instead of, inadvertently murdering a witch with your house you the first thing you see is like half of a dead teenager trying to eat your face yeah uh walking dead has i think six episodes six episodes in its first season it's its shortest season by far um it was originally frank darabont was directing it you know obviously a cinematic legend in Frank Darabont, a horror legend in Frank Darabont. So there is something that's, I don't know if you want to say like more cinematic, certainly a, a point of view that exists in that first season that just like tonally does not follow. It almost feels like that whole first uh, six episode season, Jess, kind of is like the pilot of The Walking Dead, right? Where like it's kind of like tonally not entirely consistently of a piece with the rest of the show. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I would say the first season of The Walking Dead is kind of heavy horror. And then we kind of move away from that. I think, I think Walking Dead later on becomes more of a sort of a Western feel. Yeah. Like Wild West type thing. And in the first few episodes, especially through someone who's been watching it recently, the first few episodes are extremely gory and extremely scary. And as you get used to the zombies, it gets less scary, but also the show kind of steers away from that. And there's a few things that zombies can do in the early episodes that they kind of stop being able to do. There's an early episode where 
the humans are trapped inside a department store and one of the zombies is clamoring on the outside, picks up a brick and starts bashing the window in, which zombies can't do later on. No, they really can't. And so like the show is going to like veer, it's going to be like, I think it's pretty consistent or consistent ish with its rules now, but like those early first circumstances of the zombies, if you're watching the first six episodes, just to like get a taste for it, uh, maybe not entirely predictive of where the rest of the show is going, but it's, it's easy to take for granted. Now there was just really nothing quite like this when it arrived uh, 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, look how young these people look. I know. Like, I look know. at that little baby Chandler Riggs. Yeah, there's there's baby Chandler Riggs. There's baby Andrew Lincoln. There's baby Stephen Yun. Um, you know, there's babies everywhere. Not a baby Judith quite yet. She comes later. Um, but it's it's really early days in this thing. It's the early days of the apocalypse. The story of the first six episodes of the show is more or less about Rick reuniting with his estranged wife and son. Even before the apocalypse, he was basically estranged with his wife things were not great between himself and Lori, played by sarah wayne cowley's and rick makes his way from their small town into the heart of atlanta and unites with a bunch of survivors um including uh norman reedus's character daryl dixon and melissa mcbride's character carol who are two of the only characters from this original group who are still alive and on the show uh, it's just, it's, it's wild where, uh, as Jess and I are podcasting about this, if you're just listening to this instead of watching along, uh, you are, uh, you are missing the fact that we are looking at an image of how many people, uh, eight people, eight different characters, all of whom are dead on The Walking Dead, with the exception of one who is no longer on the show. Um, every single character featured in the season one poster is gone from The Walking Dead as it stands. There's some weird omissions from this poster job. Yeah, you would you'd think Daryl would be here? You'd think Carol would be on here. Yeah, well, Daryl and Carol aren't big deals until later. Uh, the no. show doesn't know what they're dealing with until they get to uh, to season two, which I think we could we could probably start segueing into talking about here at this point because uh, season one really builds on this group of people who are uh, on their way to. They're kind of like running around aimlessly. They're on their way to the CDC in Atlanta. Uh, they meet up with Noah Emmerich. Uh, shout out to my man, Noah Emmerich. Uh, and he is going to blow up the entire CDC and almost everybody inside with him may as well have, considering they're all basically going to die eventually anyway. Uh, and he gives them like, he gives Rick specifically a whispered heads up, uh, of what we'll come to find out later. And it's a defining trait of this world that it doesn't matter if you get bitten by a zombie or if you get scratched by a zombie. At first, you think those are the only ways that you will turn into a zombie yourself. The dead have inherited the earth and you think that you just have to survive the zombies. No, turns out that whatever is turning people into walkers, we've got uh, pumping through our own blood, coursing through our own veins. We're and, asymptomatic as it yeah. were. Um, uh, not great, not great. Not great. And, and that's the big climax of season one is Rick learning that secret, keeping that secret, both from his fellow survivors and also from us. We actually don't find out this information until the end of season two, believe it or not. This is kind of a dumb secret to keep. <laughs> yeah. It's just a storytelling thing, right? And it's also a world with no internet because I feel like this would, in a world with internet, this would be a secret that you could not keep. Like they would know it like two days into the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. You would think that people would have been like, oh, uh, yeah, like, uh, Aunt Bessie just died and nothing bit her or scratched her and she came back as a walker. Like that would be on, uh, that would be on a Reddit thread somewhere. 
It definitely would. The walking Reddit. I mean, mainly this exists so that you have this shocking moment at the end of season two where Rick kills Shane and it seems like that's a big, shocking, horrible thing. And then Shane comes back and Rick's son, Carl, kills him again. Right. So mostly that's just so that we can kill Shane twice is this trope. Well, that is essentially what season two is all about. If season one is sort of the survivors figuring out the way of the world and being a bit on the run, uh, there's like a huge attack on their trailer park and everything like that. And then they just kind of wind up on the road. Season two grounds them in a spot. They're at Herschel's farm for the for for what is, I believe, a three issue arc in the comic books becomes an entire season long storyline uh, because the show ran out of money. Uh, so they, they had to stay there. Uh, we get introduced to a few new characters, one of whom is still alive on the show in uh, Lauren Cohen as as Maggie Green, who uh, departs the show for a short time, uh, has yet to return as Jess and I are recording this, but is due for a comeback. Um, um, she and Glenn become an, a romantic item there. I think Daryl really comes into his own. Uh, the Norman Reedus character, he's the, if, you, if you are even like tangentially aware of The Walking Dead, you know what a Norman, Norman Reedus and a Daryl Dixon are. Uh, that is you know, essentially the main character of the show at this point. Carol starts to become more of a pronounced character. T-Dog is still alive at this point. Jess, in the video version of this podcast, he is standing front and center in the picture. Hearts for T-Dog. I, I love me some T Dog. This love, is <laughs> it's very again nostalgic to be talking about T Dog in any capacity. Um, hey, you know, Josh, I should keep this from you because I might need to like actually deploy it someday. Uh, the actor that plays T Dog is available on Cameo. I'm just throwing uh, that out there. Uh, okay. Uh, well, let's definitely back pocket that information uh, for future youth. Uh, maybe, uh, we, uh, we set some bets where winner buys the loser a T-Dog cameo. I like this. This is a good this could when- be the thing for like all of our future death drafts, Jess, that the, that the winner, oh, uh, the loser has to buy or the winner buys the loser a cameo of T-Dog telling them, uh, how terrible they are that they lost the death draft. This is great. I, now I'm excited I for the season 11. To pay money, but the winner gets glory. Yes. The winner gets to gets the satisfaction yeah. of T-Dog telling the other person that they suck. Okay, so this is a very good idea. Oh, uh, this is going to be the terms of every future <laughs> yeah. Walking Dead related prop bet we ever make. It might be beyond The Walking Dead. Uh, that's a different Walking Dead spinoff, though. Um, season two of the series mostly takes place on this frickin' farm. A lot of people who love season two, and I actually would be curious to go back and check it out. Uh, Rob Sesternino and I did a rewatch of season one, Once Upon a Time. Uh, I have not gone back and rewatched season two in a long time but there are people who swear by this season and it's really about like this big feud between rick and shane as leaders rick is trying to hold on to civilization shane is kind of trying to embrace the wilderness of this new world and it gets to this boiling point where rick and shane who were day one bff uh rick ends up having to kill shane for the good of the land uh look at the the moral uh consequences that i am taking on to protect everybody else and this is really greasing the wheels of rick grimes becoming the rick grimes that he goes on to be for the rest of the show really embracing shane's ideology uh he had to strike shane down to become shane 
Yeah, and Shane goes really dark really fast. I feel like kind of some of it's not even earned. It's just like all of a sudden Shane is killing people. Yes. And, oh, he's killing people. Well, we got to kill him. Oh, I have killed, and now I'm killing people. Yeah. This is kind of the genesis of the kill switch, if you ask me. It really is. I think that you're absolutely right. Uh, the death of Shane uh, comes at the end of season two when Herschel's farm thankfully burns to the ground uh, and forces everybody <laughs> on. <onto, laughs> I, I, I love I love your cheerful positivity <laughs> about the Green family I farm. I was happy about it. I was sad for the Greens. You know, to, yeah. to, I mean, don't, don't get it twisted. It had to happen because you couldn't. The farm was too nice. You'd just stay there forever if it wasn't going to get overrun. Um, But the group is used to like having one spot. So they they're really eager to get one spot again. Like they don't want to be nomadic. And this is going to be a thing on The Walking Dead where sometimes they're nomadic and sometimes they're landlocked. Um, And a big arc from the comic books involves the survivors finding an abandoned prison facility or a mostly abandoned prison facility and setting up stakes there. And the show follows suit in season three with uh, with Rick and the gang finding this prison. They encounter some prisoners who are still in the prison. It does not go well for all of the prisoners do die. Uh, like first Rick has to murder one, then another one escapes and then two of them join the group, but just get like uh, like mercilessly offed over the course of season three. And There's one shocking death in particular where he's just like standing there and boom yeah, out of nowhere. Not in the face. Uh, but like the, the one who escapes, it may be easy to, to, for, uh, to, to forget that he is the reason why uh, the biggest death of the show and the biggest surprising uh, death of the show, I think up to this point occurs um, where yes, yeah, Shane is a big death, but if you read the comics, you suspect that that's going to happen. Um, Dale is a very important character who, dies in season two in a very surprising way but the big one comes four episodes deep into season three where rick grimes loses his wife Lori. uh she she dies um during this big raid on the prison with the zombies are are overflowing because this one escaped convict re-infiltrates the prison and starts causing all of this chaos he forgot to lock the gate behind him and and all of the madness goes down and we lose poor t-dog t-dog dies so that carol may live he sacrifices himself for carol we think that we lose carol but she makes it uh and sadly Lori does not make it and Carl, Rick's son, goes the extra mile of shooting his mother in the head after she has uh, uh, has passed away while Maggie um, performs a cesarean section on Lori. Uh, and now baby Judith is brought into the world. And the whole thing is just like very, 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 very troubling and upsetting. Uh, led to the birth of a really, A, amazing character in Judith Grimes, but B, arguably an even more amazing meme in um, Rick uh, telling dad jokes to Carl uh, is one of the, the great memes as they are uh, uh, memifying the grief that poor Rick Grimes feels in that moment. But that's a, a huge turning point for the show early on is the, is the death of Rick's family. Yes, and it then brings about one of the, what I feel like is one of the worst episodes of the series, um, which yeah, is the one. talk to her ghost on yeah, the phone for a while. Where he's just like speaking to the phone ghost for the entire episode. It's. The phone like, ghost it's, is a thing. It happens. Yeah. 
if if you're watching, if you're doing a rewatch, just skip that episode. Like, do yourself a favor. It's possible that ghosts exist in the world of The Walking Dead. There are some ghostish episodes of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. It's not confirmed if this is just uh, stylization or in-universe canon. Uh, it feels like it doesn't happen quite enough for it to be <laughs> a capital T thing. Yeah, but, but for, for us, yeah. we want to call it a thing. Like every three or four seasons, you get this like ghost heavy sequence where it's mostly an excuse to bring back the actor that they've already killed off. Season three is a wild ride because it's bringing in the prison and it's bringing in Woodbury and Woodbury is this other community and it's led by the governor. Um, and our entry points into Woodbury are Andrea, who's a, a big character from the comics, who's a less big character on the show, who meets Michonne, who is obviously a huge character both in the comics and on the show played by Denai Guerrero. She debuts in season three. She's iconic. Um, and uh, through those characters, we're experiencing Woodbury. And it's our first time colliding with another group of survivors that are, um, you know, positioned on an opposite side of the battlefield from ours. Uh, and it, season three is a lot about the war between those two civilizations. And it is the first and far from the last time that we will wade in those particular waters, Jess. Yeah, it is kind of a recurring theme. There's a couple of recurring themes that come into play during this prison arc. And I think arguably they started with the Green Family Farm. One of them is here is a really great place that we can settle down and start to feel normal again. But something outside of that is going to push us into our comfort zone. That's a recurring theme you have over and over. They just they get comfy and then something happens and ruins it all. Sometimes it's them that happens to it and ruins it all. And the other thing is you see shades of it start to kind of cohere. Yeah. Yeah, you see things, shreds of this start to come into being with the Rick and Shane of it all, where you start to, the theme starts to be that the actual danger and the actual threat to the world is not the undead, but the living. Right. And the governor is really the first big example of this, where this guy is bad and he could just kind of chill out in his own little town and his town is great and the people seem pretty happy, but he has to mess with things. And so he goes and he wants the prison because the prison's a little bit better and he just wants things. And so human greed is a worse thing than wanting to eat brains. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's the big bad of season three and he's the, he's the big bad of the first half of season four. Um, the prison community wins out in the war against Woodbury. They lose some people in addition to, to Lori and T dog. Andrea dies. Daryl's brother Merle dies. And again, Daryl crying is a great gif on Twitter. Uh, I think, uh, grief leads to great comedy in the world of The Walking Dead, at least in the meta-narrative surrounding The Walking Dead. Um, But season four gets lit pretty fast. Um, Season four might be peak Walking Dead. This might be controversial, but that's how I feel. I I think with the second half of season four into like season five is probably my favorite era of the show. Short of, frankly, where we are now, which is maybe a controversial thing to say. We're we're definitely in a renaissance. Yeah, we're in a renaissance for sure in uh, seasons nine and ten. But season four, it's like you're, uh, it's some months or a year or so after the, the battle with Woodbury, the prison is shaping up to be like a fairly robust society 
Rick is trying to like go back to being the Rick before he killed Shane and live like a, a like a good and honorable life. His son has like taken on some murder tendencies. He doesn't like that. He's trying to show him the way. Um, but the fit hits the Shan when the governor comes back uh, and leads an assault on Woodbury. And Herschel, who has already lost the farm, soon loses his head. Uh, and the, the poor survivors of the prison lose the prison entirely. The governor dies, but they also lose their home in the process. And the second half of season four puts these people who are now like accustomed to a form of civilization again, back on the road um, and back out in the wild. And it's a really, uh, I think, a really excellent set of episodes of testing these people in a way that they haven't had to be tested in a long time, um, showing like what they are willing to do in order to survive. Interesting character combinations. It's really the formation of Rick, Michonne and Carl as a family unit is going to be a thing um, from that point moving forward. Um, it's just great stuff. And it's the road to Terminus. And yeah, Terminus it's, is it's my favorite. Yeah. Terminus is also a wild ride, yeah. yeah. But I, I do love just the bonds that form between these little subgroups and spending the whole season watching them kind of get closer and closer to coming together. And then you have Terminus, which is a big question mark for that whole season half. You see these signs and it's, it's almost like you're driving through South Dakota on your way to wall drug. And it's like, you know, we got lots to eat. We got comfy beds. Come see Terminus. We'll take care of you. There are no zombies in Terminus. It's all going to be good. Come see us. And everybody sees these signs and everybody figures, okay, we'll all meet up in Terminus. Yeah. And then Terminus is really not that. I mean, technically they didn't lie, but it's a cannibal compound. Yes. Terminus is a cannibal compound and everybody winds up in Terminus and season four ends with everybody jammed into a train car together, presumably on their way to being eaten uh, by the cannibals. Well, it's funny because by the end of that season, it's not really spelled out that it's cannibals. There's like one flash of, well, you have, you have Denise Crosby offering them a plate of barbecue. You're like, hmm, that smells pretty good, but oh, wait a minute, you're wearing my friend's clothes. I don't know if that's any good. And then they run past all of these buildings, and there's like some human remains kind of in the background as they're running past, and that's all you know. Yeah. You just know that whatever's happening, it it ain't good. It ain't. And then you find out in the season five premiere that, yeah, they cannibals. They cannibals. And uh, but what the cannibals didn't account for, Jess, is that they caught Rick Grimes and Rick Grimes tells both his friends and the viewers in the uncensored version. uh, They're fucking with the wrong people. Uh, They just fucked with the wrong people, I believe, is the line. And uh, it it is very telling for where Rick's headspace is back after being on the road uh, for the length of season four. Rick returns to his post Shane place and in fact is more savage than ever before. And the Terminus situation is, I think, kind of shockingly resolved in just three episodes. It's really resolved really quickly in what I think is one of my very favorite episodes of the entire show is the season five premiere where Carol shows up. Carol, who uh, has been sort of on the outs with the group for the last year or so because she killed some members of the group. She had her reasons. It's not really worth getting into. They were sick. She thought it made sense. Uh, She got ostracized from the group as a result. Um, But she comes back to save the group once the prison falls. She's a participant in one of the all-time great episodes of the show called The Grove, uh, where she takes two kids in, um, and that does not go well. And if you have not watched The Grove, 
you should. That's an episode that's worth seeking out, as is the season five premiere, where Carol just goes full Sarah Connor on these cannibals. And then a couple of episodes later, once they're all out of the cannibal compound, Rick Grimes goes all Rick Grimes on the rest of the cannibals. And it is savage, savage stuff. And it's really a reminder that Rick has this primal thing inside of him. And that comes to dominate most of season five because they're all back together at least, but they're still on the road. They don't have a home. They're vagabonds. They have to eat dogs at one point. Thankfully, T-Dog is not there to have to watch what they're doing to uh, all these poor dogs. Could be relatives. His last name is Dog, after all. You know, uh, we lose some more people. Uh, Pour one out for Beth, who inexplicably uh, gets shot in the head after stabbing somebody with scissors in a hospital. We don't talk about that stuff, because if you remember that too well, uh, then you start to think about season five not as fondly. Uh, We lose Tyrese, who is a great character from the comics. We lose Tyrese. He sees the governor as a ghost, another ghost sighting uh, on his way towards death. Uh, And before we're able to lose anybody else, uh, the survivors are found by a man named Aaron, who claims to be from a civilization called Alexandria. Uh, And he wants to recruit these people into Alexandria. And it turns out that Alexandria is legit. It's a very real place. They've got wheat. They've got sorghum. And they they are they've got Deanna. They've got Deanna. I mean, I would say, to be fair, after everything that all these people have been through, they've run into the governor, they've run into the terminus guys. They are right to be suspicious of Aaron. Absolutely. A hundred percent. They've got every reason in the book to not trust this guy, but it turns out that he is on the level and it turns out that Alexandria is a legitimate safe place. Um, but it takes some getting used to. And Rick is fairly savage on his, on his, in his acclimation process. Some people acclimate better than others. He has to like get into some street fights. He has to shoot some dude in the face after that dude stabs another guy with a samurai sword. That's the kind of thing that happens on The Walking Dead. Yeah, and these people are not killers. Like Alexandria, they're like peace-loving hippie commune. And then, like, Rick has been there for three days and he murders a guy with a sword. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. wild. It's uh, it's very violent. Uh, and season six is sort of like really our first big Alexandria season. Um, but it's worth noting that once we get to Alexandria, we never really leave in a, in a meaningful way. We're still in Alexandria as, uh, as of 2020. Uh, as of all these seasons later, Alexandria is still very much a component on the show. It becomes a place that is worth fighting for, worth dying for, as many people will indeed fight and die for it. Uh, in season six, the first half, uh, Really, season six is a turning point for The Walking Dead in a not great way, I think, in terms of public opinion. The first half of season six is like a bad episode of 24. Um, everything is taking place in roughly one day. The show tries to trick us into thinking Glenn has been consumed by zombies only for him to hide under a garbage can. It's the first of several really bad cliffhangers. And... Yeah, that Glenn under the dumpster is a. I would say that might be like the shark. You know, the water skis go over the shark, and Glenn goes <laughs> under the dumpster. And he goes under the dumpster, and I think in in like pop culture, that is that is like a known thing. Uh, is is he hiding under the dumpster? Is like uh, you know synonymous with jumping the shark. This is a jump the shark moment for The Walking Dead that I think reputationally it becomes very difficult uh, to overcome. And I think um, for a lot of reasons, you know, there's some trouble in Alexandria, but the the survivors mostly see it through. There 
there's some happiness on the other side of all of the death. Rick and Michonne fall in love. That's nice. That's great. But the Alexandrians start feeling like, all right, we've got this home now and we've, we've conquered enormous odds in saving Alexandria from a, from a huge herd of walkers. Uh, nothing can stop us now. And they make contact with another civilization, uh, the hilltop and the hilltop tells them about yet another civilization, uh, the sanctuary, the saviors led by a man named Negan, who is going around and basically offering quote unquote protection for all your shit. Uh, it's a really, really bad deal, and he's just a terrible, terrible guy. And Rick and his people are basically like, all right, well, we'll just murder them. And thus, the worst arc of The Walking Dead begins. And the really interesting thing, Josh, is I think even with the dumpster, even with the mom, 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 zombies eating the kid thing, Carl getting his eye shot off, there was a moment where I think there was peak excitement and anticipation thing that happened on this show and that moment was the first time that anybody in our group runs into anybody from Negan's group and this is they are driving on the road and they run into this gang of people they're like hey we're from Negan and it's like oh my god because Negan's a huge thing in the comics like this is the new bad guy all the fun stuff's gonna start and especially because you know Daryl and Abraham just like obliterate the first group of Negan people they encounter yeah. And then it's like, oh, they cast Jeffrey Dean Morgan to be Negan. That's going to be so cool. He's such a great actor. He's going to really run with this part. And to be fair, he has. But then they take what is like five issues of the comics and they stretch it out for four freaking years. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we are in this picture right here. Yeah. The lineup, the infamous lineup, uh, Rick, who has already bitten the throat out of a human being, somehow manages to bite off even more than he can chew uh, by going up against Negan. Uh, they run into Negan and Negan is a foe that they cannot stop. Uh, and Negan ruins everything. Uh, Negan, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, shows up and puts them all in a lineup. And he has a, a baseball bat named Lucille that's barbed, wired up. And he says... Uh, to teach you all a lesson for killing all of my people, you're going to start working for me, but first I have to kill one of you. And this is the end of season six, the final episode of season six, the final scene of season six. And it ends without us knowing who Negan is going to kill. And this is, I think, listed as one of uh, the roughest cliffhangers. Uh, certainly it's the roughest cliffhanger in Walking Dead history. Um, but I think considered by a lot of people, if the dumpster gate thing wasn't already a turning point in the quality of the show, this really pissed people off. And it was one of the most watched episodes of the show. And I believe the season seven premiere might be the most watched episode of the show. I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but one of them for sure. And this is where the drop off begins. Cause people came back to like after a summer away of being like, all right, so who does Negan kill? Are they going to do it like they do in the comics? Are they going to kill Glenn who like, if you were even a lightly aware of the walking dead, you had at that point probably heard Glenn like gets his brains bashed in by this new bad guy in the midpoint of the walking dead. And it's crazy. And you're wondering like, are they actually going to do that? Cause they just like faked us out with his death. And that's why a lot of people didn't believe that Glenn was really dead and believed that he had crawled under a garbage can. Uh, but no, they just make you wait a full summer where you could have just like read the comic books or spoiled it for yourself on Wikipedia or by talking to anybody with some walking dead awareness to find out who does Negan kill. And that exact person gets killed with the added bonus of poor Abraham 
played by Michael Cudlitz, gets killed as well. Uh, it's a, the, the surprise is we're going to kill two people. And The Walking Dead like treats this like an exciting event, like a sport event, where it's like you're supposed to be excited about losing two people that you love in traumatic fashion. And I think it's a huge miscalculation creatively that leads to a lot of bad will between big segments of The Walking Dead fandom and the, the makers of the show. Yeah, well, I remember you and I at the time were doing The Walking Dead Book Club, where so many great things were happening on the show that were directly out of the comics and we were we were leading up to this this season finale and we assumed that just because this is how you tell a story and everybody hated the dumpster thing so much obviously at the end of this episode someone's gonna die and it's probably gonna be glenn we weren't sure we talked it out we were very excited for this and then when they didn't do it and they made us wait a very long time it was really upsetting, and I think it was kind of, for a lot of people, and I think even for us a little bit, it was the beginning of the, this is not the greatest show on television anymore. Yeah. Not that it necessarily ever was the greatest, but like... Well, it, it was the it, most popular. Yeah, and, but this is when the show starts leaking a lot out of its viewership. Uh, people yeah. start walking away. They found out who got killed, and people start walking away. And I think, Jesse, you and I are in agreement on this. Uh, if we're all, if like the purpose of this podcast is to kind of yada yada through The Walking Dead, this is the part where like, if you, if you really don't want to watch any of the show, I think you and I would say like, skip season seven and eight entirely. Here's what happens. Negan kills Glenn and Abraham. The survivors are rightfully depressed. They are oppressed. They stop being depressed. They stop feeling oppressed. They fight back. The entirety of season eight is the fight back. People die. Rick's son dies. That's very sad. But Rick's people win. Negan gets busted. And you can spare yourself a whole lot of misery by just understanding that that is really all that happens that you really need to know over the courses of season seven and eight. Uh, it's all out war. It's a lot of bullets. It's a lot of violence. It's a lot of the same shit, different day. Yeah. And it was so few comparatively issues of the comics that at the time, I think we assumed Negan would be finished by, you know, the end of the season at which he first appeared. And that was not the case. And it just kept going and going and going. And it's like, get rid of this guy already. Yeah. Yeah, I think like the the arc in the comics is 12 issues uh, and we're talking about like an all out war arc that extends to 16 episodes of TV, at least if you're not counting any of the stuff from season seven. And that's just a lot. And it's a lot of it's, it's not enough comic to stretch out over the course of two seasons. And I think you really feel it. There's some new stuff that's like getting added the garbage people. I don't know if you've heard about no. the garbage people. You've heard of Dumpster Gate. Well, how about the Dumpster Folks uh, with Jadis and her her compound of fellow the show has divers. such a garbage problem. It really does. They have to take out the trash. There's this whole community of people that live in a junkyard, uh, and they are the they are the dumpster people. Well, it just looks like a junkyard on the outside. If you go inside of it, it looks like an IKEA. It looks like an IKEA. Uh, there's a walker with like a helmet named Winslow. Shout out to Winslow here in the yada yada Walking Dead podcast. 
you know, you weren't going to skip T-Dog. We've skipped Father Gabriel entirely. We've skipped Sasha entirely. And yet Winslow gets a shout out, Josh. Winslow's going to get a shout out here. You just shouted out Sasha and Father Gabriel. Sasha's yeah, because great. you didn't. Sasha's great. She's a sharpshooter. She dies. She goes and beams aboard the, the, the Discovery and is now Sonequa Martin-Green leading the, the cast of Star Trek. Yeah, and yet her husband's still on the show. Yeah, he's just hanging around. He's still in The Walking Dead. In the background. You know, he's just chilling. Uh, Father Shout Gabriel. out to my man, Scott. <laughs> Father Gabriel is a, is, a, is a total cowardly douche who then stops being a cowardly douche and is actually going to go on to become the leader of Alexandria? Rather improbably. Uh, it's kind of where the show is going to go. Um, but yeah, like really the thing is Rick and everybody fight back. They beat Negan. Negan loses and Negan goes to, goes to jail. They build a jail for Negan. Uh, and that is the entirety of season seven and eight of The Walking Dead. And that's the end of, um, Scott Gimple's run as showrunner of The Walking Dead, uh, a writer who had been with the show since season two. He's still involved in The Walking Dead franchise, but he is, uh, he is the, the showrunner from seasons four through eight, steps away. And Angela Kang, who is also a writer from, uh, with roots back in season two of the show, steps up as the showrunner once we go into season nine. And we're vaulting into season nine with some interesting, uh, creative obstacles. One, there's a huge time jump. Um, the show jumps forward in time about a year, 18 months or so past the end of All Out War for the first five episodes of season nine, in which they need to uh, off ramp Andrew Lincoln, who's played Rick Grimes, who is no longer interested in being part of the show on an episodic basis. And is in, uh, everybody thinks that the news is out there that Andrew Lincoln is leaving. Everybody thinks Rick going to die. Rick's not going to die. Rick's going to get helicoptered out of The Walking Dead alongside the garbage person, uh, Jadis. They're both going to leave together. Well, all the other garbage people, I think we need to mention what happened to them because it's pretty great. They've been disposed of. <laughs> They've been fed to a giant meat grinder. Yeah, that's a real thing that really happened yeah. on this show. They got grinded up into meat in the junkyard into a garbage disposal and they're all dead. Uh, and Rick and Jadis leave via helicopter after everybody believes Rick to be dead. And Rick will return someday, allegedly, in a series of movies uh, that are uh, allegedly in the works uh, where we will see the return of Rick Grimes. But he is no longer part of the show. And that is like the creative problem that Angela Kang inherits. Uh, the, the, you know, a huge time jump and, and the loss of the of the most important member of the cast. And yet, Jess, somehow... This leads to the current era of The Walking Dead that you and I are, are uh, you know, watching over here on the podcast. And it's fun and it's good. And it's with a lot of scrappy characters and a lot of people who started out as like bit players in the background, a lot of new people. But it, they're fun and entertaining and they're in the middle of, uh, for the most part, really, really compelling stories. Yeah, I mean, Angela Kang brought some fresh blood onto the writing staff, and she just said, okay, instead of bringing in, like, you know, trying to create this, like, military strategy war battle thing, we can bring in some bad guys, and certainly we have some very fun bad guys, 
but we're going to spend some time with these characters. We're going to get to know them. We're going to see how they interact with each other and bounce off of each other. What they do is going to be consistent. And I think that's the main key. We're not just talking about for a long time. The central question on the walking dead was where do you stand? Are you a person that wants to kill every human you see, or are you a person that wants to bring people into the field? And it was very polarizing and it's not fun to watch polarizing people argue, especially when sometimes somebody would be one way on one way and another way on another day. And we've just eradicated all of that. And that's what I think I respond to so much in the Angela Kang era is that it's robust characters with complex motivations interacting with each other in interesting ways. And then we bring in maybe the most fun bad guy of the entire series so far, yes. even though nothing they do makes any freaking sense whatsoever. Yeah, speak of the devil and the devil shall appear. It is Alpha and the Whisperers. After Rick leaves, uh, rather than deal with the immediate fallout of that, the show leaps forward uh, something like eight years into the future, the better part of a decade. Uh, baby Judith, uh, Rick's daughter, uh, is all grown up, and by all grown up, I mean she's still a kid, but she's, she's a tween. She's a tween. <laughs> she's, a, she's a badass little kid. Michonne is still around, at least for a little while. Uh, and everything is mostly hunky dory as, uh, as Carol has found love in, uh, in the form of Ezekiel, who is this Shakespearean king of the kingdom, another community. The communities are all working really well together. Um, they have horses and carriages and blacksmiths, and doctors, and, like they're figuring out a new way forward. Uh, and then the whisperers show up and they are led by Samantha Morton as alpha, uh, who is, uh, a very, very wild, very feral character. These are people who, uh, walk among the walkers by wearing skin suits. They live out in the forest. They smell very bad. I assume smell of vision is not a part of the walking dead, but that's something that kind of transcends the screen. Jess. Yeah. I feel like I can smell them even if I actually can't. <laughs> a huge turf war breaks out because territory is very important to alpha and a series of misunderstandings leads to one of the most gruesome acts of violence we've had on the show since the Neganing. Um, we lose a bunch of characters who are maybe not like huge heavy hitting characters, but surprising to lose in the, in the way that we lose them in the timing that we lose them. There's a big uh, cross community fair that goes down and people are kidnapped from the fair and are beheaded and their heads are placed on spikes. Heads on spikes was a big moment from both the comic and the show and a death draft that Jess and I did that T-Dog would have weighed in on had we had the foresight to enlist T-Dog for a cameo. Jess, I believe you won the, uh, I did the win. on heads draft. Yes, I did win that. Not that and you send me a text every other day reminding me. Yeah, I, I, I still have not let you forget that. And I appreciate you reminding me yeah. again to send my daily text, letting you know that I won the Heads on Spikes draft. You did it yesterday, so it's tomorrow. So Yeah, okay. Well, good. I, I'm already taken care of. Um, <laughs> I think this was a really important moment in the show's er, new era because it demonstrated that they are not going to tell things the Scott Gimple way. They are. I was concerned that the heads on spikes draft, like they were going to reveal one head on a spike every episode for the next two seasons. And they didn't do that. In fact, they gave it to us an episode sooner than we thought we were going to get it. And it was shocking and brutal and awful as much as it was in the comics. Yeah. And I was on record as saying, I did not, I was afraid that this, arc with the whispers was going to suck and it exceeded all of my expectations it's actually been maybe one of the most fun things that's ever happened on the show 
in part due to the way that the story is paced and told and also because of Samantha Morton just like not just chewing the scenery but like ripping the entrails out of the scenery and like going ham on it like a zombie yeah yeah every episode she just delivered and delivered yeah and we should say delivered past tense because uh you know season nine really sets up this new world the new community the the clash between the new community and the whisperers um but season 10 is the war it's the whisperer war and it's just coming you know two seasons after uh one full season after basically a two season arc of war that sounds exhausting but the show actually manages to find ways to make this a lot more cerebral some clunkers in the midst it's the walking dead you know there's some definite like c minus to to d grade episodes here and there but by and large it's really really compelling and largely because it's like it's political um there's a lot of like undermining that's going on um once again angela tang and her writing staff having to deal with off-ramping a character uh an iconic character for meta reasons deny guerrera her star is blowing up she's in black panther she's going to be show running an hbo max show she wants to leave the day-to-day on the walking dead uh and they have the the difficult job of getting michonne off the show in a way that makes some semblance of sense Maybe not the greatest episode in the show's history, but they deal with it the best that they can. Um, she's gone, but so is Alpha. The war escalates to a point where, speaking of things coming earlier than you expect, Alpha gets killed. She gets murdered by Negan, who for a full season spent uh, his, his days in jail, spent the better part of a decade in jail, in season 10 gets busted out of jail by Carol to go and infiltrate the Whisperers and attack the whisperers from within uh, as a means of like buying a meal ticket back into the greater society of Alexandria. And he does it. He kills alpha. And that's with like four episodes to spare in season 10. And that's pretty close to where things are left off because as Jess and I are recording this, it's uh, it's close to the end of May 2020 uh, COVID-19 quarantine becomes a thing that impacts greatly uh, everything, including television production, including television post-production. And the season finale of The Walking Dead season 10, as of this recording, has yet to air. One episode still remaining on the board where we don't know exactly what is going to happen. But these are the stakes. Alpha is dead. Beta, played by Ryan Hurst, has risen up as the new leader of the Whisperers, and he has like a, a spot of alpha on his face. Uh, he has uh, he has skinned her face and placed it on his own face mask, and he is now leading as the new alpha. Um, and where we leave off is him and the Whisperers closing in on a tower where the, the survivors are currently holed up, while a few other survivors, uh, including Eugene, uh, Yumiko, and Ezekiel are on the road with a new character who's been introduced named Princess, uh, the veritable Sandra Diaz twine of The Walking Dead, as they are on their way to meet up with potentially a new community that might open up the world even more. What's going to happen next? We don't know. Yeah, we can only guess. Well, we could read the comics and have a better guess than most people. Yeah, I think that describes <laughs> us, but... We're going to stop short of doing that. I, I think like if, if, you, if you're interested in listening along to the podcasts... That's really basically what you need to know uh, to be up to speed on the plot of the entirety of The Walking Dead in uh, maybe a little more than a half hour, but less than an hour. Yep. And Josh, I at the top of this podcast, before we really got going, I said I am a little skeptical of 
going on a podcast with Josh Wiggler to recap 10 seasons of a show <laughs> when I happen to know that this man has been able to talk about a single episode of Lost for five hours. Yes. So I, I want to episode Jess, but yeah. okay, well, details. Details. Yeah. I just want to commend your restraint here because you said you wanted to go half an hour and we're at the 50 minute mark. So Not that's bad. pretty good. good I'm, yeah, I'm impressed. Good yeah. for Wiggler. Good for Wiggler. Yeah, applause. And, uh, you know, applause, applause to you as well. Uh, and applause to all future listeners of the Walking Dead podcast. Cause I think Jess, you and I have such a fun time talking about that show. We don't take it very seriously. We do try to drill down into the character motivations. And I think that the show, given its current quality of writing, um, makes it a lot easier to, to do that because it's actually mostly pretty good right now um so we have a lot of fun with that podcast we get it if you just want to listen to the podcast and not watch the show hey we got you we got your back we can make that work just listen to this podcast again if you're listening to it as we're releasing it uh in in june of 2020 uh listen to it now and then listen to it again when the walking dead is going to return you will get freshened up uh, on everything that is going forward in the season 10 finale and presumably season 11 whenever we get to it. Uh, Jess, any like uh, personal favorite Walking Dead moments that, that we missed in the yada yada that you want to give a shout out to? Um, well, that's, it's a good question, Josh. I, I do like Rick's monologue about the red machete. I like the claimers. We didn't really talk about the claimers. Well, I did say someone got his throat bit out. Yeah. Th- that's a claimer. That, throat that is claimed. a claimer, but we didn't talk about them. We didn't talk about them claiming things, which is a pretty fun thing until you realize they also, they also are, you know, robbers and rapists and murderers. They're also but, garbage people. They just don't live in a dumpster. Yes. Yes. They live in the dumpster of their mind. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, we didn't really talk about the wolves, uh, where we see, we see one of the wolves saved from his bad path with the power of psychology. That's a fun arc. Yeah. Um, that guy saved by the power of psychology, uh, through, uh, at least in part by a character named Morgan, who was one of the great characters of The Walking Dead, played by Lenny James, one of the first characters in Walking Dead history, uh, who then, gets off ramped to star on fear of the walking dead, which is a show that sometimes we podcast about here on poster recaps, but sadly we cannot do episodically anymore just because we have to treat ourselves better than that. Yeah. We, we have to practice self care, Josh. And that involves not necessarily getting too deep into fear of the walking dead. Although I will say, especially now that we're in the era of coherent Angela Kang's type storytelling in walking dead prime i do miss those days when we could just pick nits all the time that was kind of fun like just saying like here is why this story doesn't work and just pulling it apart i don't think the listeners liked that as much as i did but i kind of found it fun (laughs) it was a fun we got a lot of we got a lot of bad feedback to the point to the you know to the tune of if you hate this show so much why do you podcast about it and i'm like i don't hate it i just enjoy being critical of it you know the walking dead is is not a show that i that i always like uh it is a show that i love uh because it is it is a universe that i love talking about i really i I love the lore i i really i have a lot of admiration for the scope of the storytelling um it's cool that there is this huge blockbuster horror show on tv uh and i even love it when it's kind of bad 
like I like to talk about why it's not working. Um, I think the walking dead is a really, um, is a really great canvas to talk about storytelling and television often for, for better, often for worse. Um, I think it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a fun pool to be in um, uh, as, as far as the type of thing that we do here on post show recaps, where we try and have fun. We try to like, we do try to be intelligent from time to time. Doesn't always work. Uh, but like we, we try to, we try to be leaning forward. Uh, and I think that we lean forward into the walking dead. And sometimes that means, uh, you can't help but smell the whisperers and smells bad. Uh, but sometimes you can really appreciate the craft in that mask. Uh, apply that metaphor to, to the show writ large. And that is what Jess and I try to do with this podcast. So we don't yeah. know if we're coming back. Uh, we hope soon. Um, but we don't know. Uh, yeah. Whatever we come back, we will be doing it episodically, and we hope that you're along for the ride. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that makes this show such a beautiful thing is that it goes it goes in phases. It's good sometimes. It's great sometimes. It's terrible sometimes. And rarely do you have a show that climbs out of terrible back into great. And the fact that this did that makes it such a fun show to talk about all the time. And whenever it comes back, we will be here talking about it again. Yeah, 100%. So you can subscribe to the Walking Dead only feed that we have on post show recaps. Um, certainly you're subscribed to the patron feed if you are listening to this, unless we've re-released this podcast, which is entirely possible. Um, you can hit us up by emailing us, twd at postshowrecaps.com, or you can hang out with Jess and I in the post show recaps patron discord, which you can access if you are a $10 uh, level patron. Uh, we hope that you're going to hang out with us there. We hope that you're going to hang out with us once the podcast kicks back up uh, and we hope that you're doing better than T-Dog. All right, guys, and it's Josh back in October 2020. Uh, of course, we are coming back for The Walking Dead Season 10B finale, airing October 4th. We will also talk about The Walking Dead World Beyond premiere, premiering October 4th, and then every Sunday after that, as long as The Walking Dead World Beyond and Fear the Walking Dead are airing, Jess and I will be here each and every single week. Um, it's crazy. Uh, in the time since we recorded that podcast, which it was really fun to listen back to for this, uh, The Walking Dead is uh, has announced an ending. Uh, the Walking Dead has 30 more episodes before it's done. Of course, there's going to be a ton more Walking Dead beyond that. Um, there has been an announcement that not only is The Walking Dead going to end at season 11, which is going to be after six additional episodes of season 10, and then I think something like 24 episodes of season 11. So it's going to be a long stretch, but it's going to be ending. There are going to be a couple of other shows that are on the way that are already announced. There's one called Tales of the Walking Dead, which is an anthology series, and there's also some untitled Daryl and Carol focused spinoff. So I think think uh, we can safely remove Daryl Dixon, Carol Pelletier from our death drafts moving forward. So keep an eye out every week for Walking Dead coverage, whether it's the flagship, World Beyond, or Fear the Walking Dead. Jess and I will be here, and we will give you the scoop on all things zombie. All right, that's it. Get out of here. Go enjoy your lives. Take care. Bye. Bye.